Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 30 is our text for the day. Uh, verses 30 through 44. The Gospel of Mark has um, two feedings very close together in chapter 6 and in chapter 8. Before chapter 6, and in between chapter 6 and 8, Jesus and his disciples are very busy working miracles, praying, teaching, preaching, doing all kinds of ministry. And you have this feeding here in chapter 6, and after the feeding, there is more ministry to be done, there is more convincing to be done, there are arguments with religious leaders, then there is another feeding similar to this one in chapter 8. So before chapter 6, before this passage, there is all kinds of stuff happening. The disciples are preaching uh, with Jesus, or rather Jesus is preaching with his disciples. They are being sent out to serve and to preach and to heal and to do what they've seen Jesus do. There's all kinds of activity before this feeding, before this passage. And, and, and Jesus' disciples are getting spent. They they are coming to this feeding tired and exhausted. They are coming to this particular text having given of themselves over and over again. After this text, they are going forward into ministry with Jesus, going forward into life with God in places that they don't know here in chapter 6. So on the one hand, they are coming from a time of activity and a time of ministry and a time of service, a time of pouring themselves out. On the other hand, they're headed somewhere with Jesus that they can't quite talk about. They can't quite explain. They can't quite map out. And so if you're here this morning and you're coming from a place uh, of busyness and extreme uh, activity, if you're coming from a place this week, this month, this morning, and you're tired because you've given yourself to Jesus, because Jesus has been with you, alongside you, you have been seeing God work, if you've been uh, in a place where you've just been spent, you're exhausted, this text has something for you. Maybe you're here and you're like the disciples and, and, and you're in the midst of whatever Jesus is doing and you're looking ahead at your future trying to discern what God will do, where God will go, but you couldn't quite give language to it. You're looking ahead and you don't quite know what you see. You're standing on the edge of something full of faith and questions and wonder. I want to say to you that this text, that God has something to say to you.
before I get into what I am hearing from this passage, where I want to guide you as you listen to this passage, I want to say a couple of things about the passage. And the first is that it is and it isn't about food. Jesus is talking about food. He's concerned about food on the one hand, but on the other, he is not. In the Gospels, in Mark and in the others, you have these symbols that come up, and food is one of them. Food in the Gospels is obviously about food. It's obviously about nutrition. It's obviously about being full. It's obviously about eating, but it's not always obvious what else it's about. Jesus performs many miracles in the Gospels. This is one of them. And all of Jesus' miracles address the physical world that is opposite the miracle. So when Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law of a fever, he is addressing her physical condition. When Jesus speaks to a blind man and pulls mud together and spits and puts mud on the man's eyes, Jesus is addressing addressing the physicality of the man's ailment, his blindness. He is addressing the physical world opposite the miracle that he performs. But secondly, all of Jesus' miracles in Mark address something else, the active opening of God's hand to cast out people, Uh, God's hand to people who are set at the margin, God's hand being open to people who have been pushed away or pushed aside. The miracles of Jesus are about food in this case or, or fevers in that case, but they are also about Jesus saying God's hand is open to people, to women who are sick. God's hand is open to men, blind men who cannot see and who are often ignored. God's hand is open to multitudes of people who have given themselves over to this rabbi who seems new, but he doesn't seem new, and they're spending their hours with him without regard for low blood sugar and empty bellies. Jesus is concerned about food. He's always addressing you being hungry. Jesus does not want thousands of people to be hungry after church because Jesus knows that's a mob. But Jesus is addressing more than just physical food. The second thing here is that Jesus expands the meaning of family in Mark. And this gets at what's really happening. Jesus is is addressing what he understands Israel to be. He is addressing what he understands the community of God's people to be. Jesus throughout the gospel is is pushing the envelope until it falls over the edge. Jesus throughout the gospels is pushing the religious leaders and the scribes, the Pharisees and the Sadducees against their interpretations and saying, you're just not there yet. You're just not right. Your heart might have started in the right place, but keep going further. God is is redefining what family is. God is redefining what the community is. 
He's pressing against the boundaries here in the Gospel of Mark, here in chapter 6 and beyond. N.T. Wright talks about this, this when he, he addresses the signs. That's one of the languages that shows signs or miracles. And in his book, uh, Jesus and the Victory of God. And N.T. Wright says that these were signs which were intended as and would have been perceived as the physical inauguration of the kingdom of Israel's God. The putting into action of the welcome and the warning which were the central message of the kingdom and its redefinition. In other words, God's kingdom is understood as one thing, but each one of these signs, each one of these miraculous events is an opportunity for our understanding of God's kingdom to be redefined. Each one of these miracles is an opportunity for us on the one hand to feel welcomed and on the other hand to feel warned. Each one of these miracles is an opportunity for us to see God's sphere, God's realm is is up to something. It is welcoming to all and welcoming to all means all. Even the people who I would not be inclined to let in get to come. And right away, we begin to identify with Jesus' conversation partners, be they the disciples who in this text will say things like, send them away. Or the Pharisees who will say, you don't keep the rules the right way. God's word draws us to this broad, expanding understanding of who God's people are. Now, this is a picture of grace. This expanding of God's family. Because Jesus shows us that we feed the people God loves. Jesus shows us that God loves people we wouldn't ordinarily love. And he eventually has his disciples dishing out love. To people they wouldn't ordinarily just to people they would ordinarily just send away. Jesus shows us that he feeds people who will betray him. Jesus shows us that he feeds people who will abandon him. Jesus shows his disciples and he brings his disciples along in feeding people who will deny him. Jesus shows us and brings his disciples along in giving people enough to eat, even when those people probably wouldn't look out for you at the table. This is grace. This is grace. Grace, this giving, this lavish 
generous giving of what is needed even though it's undeserved. Thirdly then, Jesus calls his disciples to serve in order that they might follow him. Listen to Jesus again. And he said to them, verse 31, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of him. The first calling here in this text to these disciples is a calling to come away and to rest. Say the word come away, the words come away. Oh, see, y'all voices were stronger earlier. Say it again, say come away. Jesus has these disciples who have been actively serving with him for verses and verses and chapters and stories here before chapter 6. And by the time we get to this passage, he says to his apostles, you haven't had time even to eat. Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. This week I was with my class, and it's a class of first-year seminarians, and this class um, is an opportunity for us to talk about what it means to be called in the ministry, an opportunity for us to talk about how people in ministry um, relate to God through spiritual disciplines. We do this, and it's a year-long course until we get into all kinds of weeds and woods, and this week's weeds... Uh, was about uh, Sabbath, and we were talking about the spiritual practice of Sabbath, and uh, right away uh, it became really clear that living sabbatically is difficult, much less taking a chunk of time, right? And I knew that, we knew it going in, but it was interesting because here you have pastors in training, identifying how the rest of the world says coming away in this language makes absolutely no sense. And come away and rest is the same language we get for uh, Sabbath and taking it and, t and using it and being in Sabbath and so forth. So here you have uh, in my class this week, and they didn't know that I was looking at this text, but here I'm, I'm taking notes, see, as they talk, and, and, and I'm thinking about you, because some of you, some of you have told me the same kinds of things, right? It is socially inappropriate to come away and rest away. It makes no sense 
in society. It actually makes sense for you to do and do and do and to find your estimation and your evaluation in what you do. That's what makes sense. That's why we have grades. That's why we have performance reviews. That's why you ask yourself at the end of the day or the beginning of the day, did I do enough and did I, did I, did I accomplish enough? Because it makes sense to go in and to do, not to come away and to It makes sense to do what the disciples were doing before verse 31. It makes sense for them to be active and to be involved and to give themselves over again and again to miracle here, miracle there. I'm with you here, Jesus. I'm with you here. We're doing this. We're doing that. And Jesus, before he feeds thousands of people, before he continues in more ministry of teaching and preaching and healing and transformation, before he goes on to what we often call that ultimate ministry of crucifixion and the resurrection, before he goes and does that, he says to his disciples, aren't you hungry? We haven't had time to eat. Come There they see people on the shore running, and those are the people who need Jesus. And Jesus is in a boat needing to be with disciples, resting. There are people tripping over themselves to get to the shore so that when Jesus gets to them, he can reach them and touch them and heal them and bless them. There are people there who need, people who need, people who need. These are the people you work with, right? These are the people we work with. These are your clients, your patients, your students, your friends. These are, these are your customers. These are the people in our lives who people are day. They're on the shore while Jesus needs something else, while his disciples need something else. The slow, restorative movement of rowing in a boat. And right away, coming and resting doesn't have to be sitting in a seat and being quiet because for somebody, rowing in the boat was calming. It was coming away. So there's activity. This isn't exactly stillness in, in the literal sense. Somebody's moving, even if slowly. Somebody has to man the boat, push against the water. Somebody, but somebody finds that to be restorative. So, so here is coming away being pictured by disciples with Jesus being slow, but being away from their work. This makes sense to you. I, I am worried that it's not convincing. I am worried, and I'm talking about me and you, but I am worried that we see the feeding as what God placed us here to do 
And the coming away is not even a footnote. I am concerned that Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about these days. I am concerned that Jesus is irrelevant for our lives, that, that this resting a while just doesn't quite work. Appreciate the language here, right, of, of, of resting a while, not working, as if working is, is it. Here Jesus is saying in the midst of an intense time of ministry. So he, he's away, he, he's aware, he knows, he's doing most of this ministry, most of what is his work. Now you've got to translate it into your work. And he's saying to the people he works with, we've got a break, stop, pause, recuperate, nourish ourselves. For the season of Lent, some of you, some of you need to hear God's invitation not to do what the rest of this text goes into, but some of you need to hear God's invitation to come away and rest. To sit down at the table and to eat a good meal. One of the most spiritually revitalizing things in the world is to sit at somebody's table who knows how to cook and to just sit. Now, not, not the person who doesn't quite know how to cook. Because <laughs> that would be work, see? That would be work. But <laughs> I got a witness. <laughs> to go and to sit at the table and to... Be with him, with her, with God in front of a plate that is nourishing. Before I get to this last part here, I, I think that a lot of us go in our own strength, in our own mission, and become our own disciples and think we're this, the disciples of Jesus when we're not. Because it's worth saying that this is discipleship in this text. It's worth saying that discipleship is not just you going and giving them something to eat. But discipleship is you coming away and resting a while. So what that means is if you are going and giving them something to eat, and not coming away and resting, you're not a disciple of Jesus. You're a disciple of your own making. You're your own disciple. You're doing good things. You're feeding people. You're going and giving people something to eat. And the world will love you for it. They will give you awards for it. Put you in the paper. And nobody reads the paper. But don't call yourself a follower of Jesus. 
I'm saying what you think I'm saying, by the way. Because disciples of Jesus don't just go and feed, go and feed, go and collect baskets. Disciples of Jesus do that, anchoring it in Jesus told me to do something else, and that is coming away and resting. So call yourself something else until you obey. Call yourself something else until you do everything that Jesus said and not just selectively say, well, I think I'm inclined to do this because after all, I find so many good things, including my work, my worth in what I do. Oh, you come away. Jesus calls beyond apprenticeship to delegation. There is the call to his disciples to come away and rest, and then there is the call beyond being his students to having delegated authority. The scripture again. Jesus went ashore. He saw a great crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the country, the surrounding countrysides and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Verse 37 says, but he answered them, you give them something to eat. Now, now Mark is ratcheting up the, the tension in this text because the text itself slows you down. You don't want these details. You want to know what's going to happen here. And here's Jesus, you know, playing this out, stretching this out, setting them up. And he says, you give them something to eat. Now, Jesus... Um, he knows, because Jesus spends a lot of time in church. He didn't call it church then. He called it synagogue, and he did a lot of preaching. So he knows. It's kind of like when I grew up as a little boy. I was a child of the church, and I knew all of the ladies who had peppermints and candy. Jesus knows what his disciples have with them. He's been with them for hours and hours. He's been walking alongside them. He's been pulling out of their pockets so they can nibble. No, you know, he's, he's with these people and he sets them up and says, you give them something to eat. Imagine them scratching their heads before they ask him, shall we go and buy? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. The disciples here in the following verses are brought in to work alongside Jesus, getting the delegated authority from Jesus, the power to do specific things. And here are a couple of points, and then I'll be done. The first thing to note about this part of the passage is the disciples don't need what they think they need when Jesus says, you go and get them something to eat. They're already scratching their heads. They're already nervous. They're already anxious. They're probably already a little irritated themselves because just like everybody else, they're hungry too. And here is Jesus saying, you give them something to eat. You go and see what we have. And I would be one of the disciples who says, well, I know we don't have anything because I ate everything I had, right? 
but they don't need in order to be his disciples what they think. The other thing is what they do need is the ability to see. He said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And I think for some of us, this season of Lent can be a, a, a time where we pray, many prayers maybe, but perhaps just the language here of Mark chapter 6. Lord, help me go and see. In going and in seeing, we get to inventory what it is God has to work with. Now imagine for a moment, God who works well with nothing, asking you and me and us to look for raw materials. There are people in our church who um, pray faithfully for loved ones who don't know Christ. And week after week, we get prayer requests and we pray for uncle this and auntie that and for this friend and that friend. And, and we want God to capture the hearts of those people we care about. And for you who writes that prayer down faithfully, Jesus says, go and see. In other words, what might God have to work with in the life of that loved one? These disciples certainly need to follow Jesus' instructions, and he gives them instructions. And at the end of this, they're, they're, they're sitting people down, they're finding loaves of bread, they're gathering sardines or codfish or whitefish or whatever fish grows over there, I don't know, grows. And even after they sit people in collections of fifties and hundreds, the work of God is not yet done. So they need to go again and they need to see what it is God is going to do. They need to see Jesus taking the loaves and the fish almost in the same way he will later on when he celebrates that final Passover with his disciples, that that last supper with them. And he lifts uh, those elements, those materials, that food, says a blessing, breaks the loaves. He gives it to his disciples. Scholars um, slice texts like this, and they uh, are good about that slicing and questioning and wondering in print form what actually happened to these fish and to these loaves, and would it be a miracle if Jesus, in taking bread, just sort of never runs out? He takes a loaf, and some, he just never runs out, or he takes fish, and he's chopping it up, and there's more fish in his hands, and 
Or is it, is it Jesus um, uh, taking the fish that somebody brings, the loaves that somebody brings, and uh, then people seeing Jesus lifting it up and them saying, I want Jesus to take my bread and use my bread. So they go and they find the bread that they weren't going to tell anybody about because they didn't want anybody to take their bread and they're going to give it to Jesus. And now Jesus has more bread there. And they see his fish and they say, well, I got a catfish over here. Let me get my catfish. I was waiting to fry it, but I'll give it to Jesus and let him, you know, Oh, here's my halibut. And I was, I was going to try to find some lemon and some salt and pepper. And I was going to try, but I'll give it to you. We don't, we, scholars talk about it. Is that what, what is happening in this text? For the disciples, they just need to see. They don't, they don't get into the weeds and the woods of explaining how well the fish was deboned. They just watch Jesus. Who knows what they saw? Who knows what you will see? Who knows? Who knows how you will encounter God today, tonight, this week, this season of Lent. As you give God what you can and say, here Jesus, do something with this. This is a hard task because I already know I don't have enough. I want to invite you to bow your heart, maybe not your head. You can keep your eyes open. Maybe you need to look at something in this room. Just to give your heart the eyes of your heart. To a Savior who multiplies small things. 